turn our Bibles again this morning to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 19, Acts 19. Uh, thank you for the music this morning. It's always a blessing. Uh, Acts chapter number 19. While you're turning there, I failed to mention uh, in the opening prayer to pray for Brian Husengay. Uh, if you don't know Brian, this is the grandson of, of Tony and Nora Warden. He grew up here, but he's been dealing with a collapsed lung. He's been in the hospital, and so I want you to pray for him. Uh, and uh, besides the fact Tony Warden's his granddad, pray for him uh, with this situation uh, that the Lord just uh, heal him. Acts chapter 19, as you know, we've been in the book of Acts uh, for 2018 with our theme of action. And uh, we have been moving basically from theme to theme. And uh, last Sunday morning and Sunday night, I preached from the same text I'm going to preach from uh, this morning in Acts chapter number 19. Uh, and I believe the Lord will uh, have something for us again today. But look at Acts chapter 19 in verse number 13. Before I begin reading, you understand uh, the context of the scripture and, and what is going on here. Uh, the apostle Paul and these other men, uh, the Lord is using them and now in the ministry of Paul uh, to go from city to city, town to town. And he's got one purpose, he's got one goal, and that's to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is letting men know that there is a risen Savior, and it is only faith in that risen Savior that brings salvation. And might I add this morning, that's the, that, that's the, that's the truth today, uh, that the message has, should not have changed because it is still uh, the truth of a risen Savior, and uh, that is the ministry he is in. Now, as we have seen uh, from week to week, uh, he has, not everyone has been excited about uh, his ministry. Not everybody's excited about what the Lord is doing through the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> we know that he has faced great opposition. But aren't you glad, even in the midst of opposition, uh, as the Scripture tells us, multitudes still were saved, and multitudes still came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll remind you very quickly that uh, we see in verses 10 and verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. What God was using Paul to do, uh, false religion had not been doing it. Uh, it was obvious when God was moving and working through the Apostle Paul that God's hand was on him. It wasn't just miracles, special miracles that God had used Paul to do. Those in a false religion had picked up on this, and they, uh, we see in verse number 13, we'll begin reading there, that certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This morning, I want to preach a message, a sermon by an evil spirit. A sermon by an evil spirit. Last Sunday morning and last Sunday night, uh, there were truths that we gathered from this passage of Scripture. Uh, but again, this morning, I want us to look into this text and see that uh, there is something for us to learn by the words of these evil spirits. I trust that the Lord will speak to us this morning. Father, I pray once again... Uh, for your blessing on our service. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God uh, will work in hearts. I pray that he would do what only he could do this morning. I pray that through the message, Lord Jesus would be magnified. And Father, most of all, if there's one here uncertain of their eternity, 
have never placed their complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer is, and I know it's your heart this morning, that they would do that before the service would conclude. I pray that as Christians this morning, we'll be reminded of what a wonderful Savior that we have. I pray that we'll be reminded of what you have done for us through a love that we really cannot understand. And Father, I pray that we as Christians will be challenged this morning uh, to be more like your son, be challenged to tell others about him. Uh, We ask your hand of blessing on all that we do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You understand the context, as we've already been reminded of this morning, of how Paul was used greatly by God. And when, they, when these men saw these special miracles and they saw all that had taken place, and might I ask, they saw even in the midst of persecution, there was no quit in the Apostle Paul and how God used him in a special way. Can I say it like this? You could not duplicate the real power of God. Many have tried to do that today, and they've tried to duplicate the power of God or manufacture a version of the power of God. Uh, you either have the power of God or you don't. Uh, And Paul had the power of God, and God did miraculous things through the Apostle Paul. I remind you, we're going to find it just a little bit later in this same chapter, a message we preached some time ago, and how uh, those that would uh, make out of silver the, uh, the, the false god Diana and those, those idols, and how they would, their business would suffer because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. While, while the work of God was being blessed, and while miracles were being done, uh, while multitudes, the Scripture tells us, were turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, false religion was suffering. We find in our text, we find that the Bible labels them as these vagabond Jews, exorcists. They were in the business, if you will, of false religion. And can I say, false religion is a business. They were in the business of false religion, and they saw the, the power that God had placed on the Apostle Paul. They saw the result of what took place. And so they were, they were smart enough to see that Paul was preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had this idea that we'll take his name and we'll use his name and then we should get the same results that he did. And as I mentioned to you last week, it is more important that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than just using the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul preached in the name of Jesus But more importantly, Paul had a time in his life when he met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. He knew the one personally of who he preached. Might I parallel this to our day-to-day? There are a lot of people, there are a lot of religions, there are a lot of churches who invoke the name of Jesus, but they have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they had this grand idea, if you will, that We'll, we'll, we'll copy, we'll imitate, and without a personal relationship, we'll take the name of Jesus, we'll use the name of Jesus, and we'll see and hopefully get the same results as this guy Paul has been getting, these special miracles. See, they, they made it all about them and what they could accomplish, and hopefully with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know the text, we understand the text. As they used the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, these evil spirits spoke to them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. And I preached about this last week. I'll not preach it again this morning of how, of course, they knew who the Lord Jesus was. They knew who the apostle Paul was. But then they declared, who are ye? 
We don't know who you are. We have no idea who you are. And then in verse number 16, the evil spirits overcame them. Didn't just resist them, overcame them, leaped on them, and sent them away running and naked. They overcame them in such a violent and complete way, uh, even though they used the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is much that we can find, as we've already preached last week and again, in that verse number 15. And really, if we just look at this from the surface, we got to be careful. We'll just move right along and say this is some interesting facts and an interesting story that the Lord preserved for us in Scripture. But I believe there's some things that these evil spirits declared that day that we can look at, and it would be a pretty good sermon, if you will. Some things that they declared and some things that they said that would be a good reminder to us today. First of all, as we see in our text, verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. What is it that they declared in this sermon by the evil spirit, if you will, and that is that Jesus is the Son of God. There was no doubt in the minds of these evil spirits who Jesus was. There was no question in their mind who the Lord Jesus was. They recognized the name. They just didn't recognize a relationship between Jesus and those invoking His name. And friend, this morning, I want to remind you and I that that Savior we speak of, that one that we sing of, uh, that one that we depend on, is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is not just the name we speak of, although He is the name above every name. He's not just a, a, a good man, a religious figure. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. He is the risen Christ. He is the Son of God. And this evil spirit, these evil spirits, they recognized it. Let me read to you from the book of Luke, chapter number 4, verse 33 and 34. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Even the evil spirits recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the evil spirits, it's settled in them. Men and scholars and quote-unquote theologians will, will try and determine and they'll debate whether or not Jesus was really the Son of God, whether or not He really lived a perfect life, whether or not He really rose three days later. Friend, if you wanted to ask the devils this morning, they would tell you, uh, we know He is the Son of God. We recognize Him as the Holy One of Israel. We recognize Him as the risen Christ. Think of the context of the period of time when this story takes place. Jesus, in Luke chapter 30, 32, he is in his earthly ministry. And in this, this story I just read, this scripture I just read, he encounters this man possessed of these devils. And immediately these devils recognize the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They addressed him as the Holy One of Israel. Now in our text, Acts chapter number 19, Jesus has already been crucified. He has already given up the ghost. 
He has already been in that tomb three days and three nights. He has already come forth victorious, holding the keys of death and hell. He had conquered sin. He had conquered Satan. He had conquered death. He had come forth victorious. In the context of Luke chapter 32, they were, they were looking at the Holy One of Israel. They were in His presence. In Acts chapter number 19, He has already fulfilled the purpose for coming to this earth. He had already conquered death and hell. Can you imagine on that crucifixion day as Jesus was nailed to that cross and that sky darkened and even God the Father turned His back on His Son. Why? Because He was bearing all of the sins of mankind. And he had all of the sins placed on him. The, the, the weight of sin of every man who has ever lived. Let that sink in for just a moment this morning. Your sin and my sin, but not just our sin. What a burden just to take the sins that have been committed in this room and bear the weight of those sins. But friend, it was the sin of every man who has ever lived on our, on our, on our Savior. And He was nailed to that cross. And when, as the Scripture tells us, He gave up the ghost. He had to give up His life because no man could take it from Him. He gave up the ghost. Now that lifeless body is taken off of that cross and put into that borrowed tomb. Can you imagine how hell must have celebrated? Well, they knew the Scriptures, and Satan knows the Scriptures, and, but there was that period of time where there was that hope. And, uh, is, is, did we defeat Him? Did we win? Is it over? But yet, uh, He came forth victorious, as you and I well know, and He conquered death and hell as the perfect Son of God. That has already taken place. In this encounter, they knew everything that Paul had preached was true. They knew Jesus is the risen Savior. It was no hesitation for them to declare, Jesus we know, because we know He's the Holy One of Israel. We know He's the resurrected Christ. And friend, this morning, you may be sitting here, this may be your first time ever to walk in the doors of a Bible preaching church, and this may be new to you, it may be something you have heard in the past, but you and I this morning, we need to be reminded, that's exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and if the devils will acknowledge it, don't you think it's time for mankind to acknowledge that He's not just a name, He's not just a slang word, He's not just a blasphemous, using His name in blasphemy as a cuss word, He is the perfect Son of God, He he is the risen Savior. Friend, this morning, if you're saved, it wasn't just anybody who could, who could make that possible for you. It was the Almighty God and His love and His care sent His perfect Son. This morning, I am a saved man. It's not because of anything I have done. It's because of the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. And even these devils acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God. See, friend, I don't have to go buy a religious commentary to convince me that Jesus is God's Son. I have the Scripture that convinces me. I have the Holy Spirit that convinces me. But even the devils would preach this sermon that Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, this morning, we find in this that the only effective ministry is built on Jesus Christ. You cannot have effective ministry without the message being Jesus Christ. Without the foundation 
being Jesus Christ. Church, I want you to listen very, very carefully to me because if we're not careful as a busy church, we put the emphasis on our busyness and we don't keep it on the Lord Jesus Christ. These were religious people. These were busy people. They weren't sitting home. They didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, but they're out doing religious work. Friend, there's more than just doing religious work. It has to be built on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why as a pastor, I will, I'm keeping our focus on, on building every ministry on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not against social help, but I just don't believe that's what the church is called to do. We are called to preach a risen Savior. We're called to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And replacing real ministry built on Jesus is not going to turn the world upside down. It's not going to cause no small stir. Ministry has to be built on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of, of, of individuals today, some saved, I believe, many unsaved, I believe, who are busy about doing religious work, even using the name of Jesus. But it has to be built, ministry has to be built on Jesus for it to be effective. See, these individuals who said, well, we'll just borrow this method of the Apostle Paul will use the same name. They didn't have a personal relationship. What they had done is they had taken the name Jesus and built it on themselves and said, we will just use the name of Jesus. Friend, you cannot build a ministry on you. And friend, you've got to be very, very careful as we teach our Sunday school classes, as we work our bus routes, as we, as we, as we, as we work in all these different soul-winning ministries, even to the, the preaching behind the pulpit, to singing up here on the platform, that we do not get in the habit, we do not do it in our own ability, our own flesh, and just invoking the name of Jesus once in a while. The only thing that's going to make a supernatural difference is when ministry is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Parents, you got to be very, very careful. How are you rearing your children? It's got to be based on the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it the Scripture says? Who is it that we're pointing others to? Uh, Mom and Dad, the greatest person you can point your child to is the Lord Jesus Christ. You do what you want to do, but I'm not pointing my children to anybody in Hollywood. Let me rephrase that. Don't point your children to anybody in Hollywood. I'm not, I'm not pointing the children around here to any professional athlete. I'm not pointing them to, to anybody in this world. It ought to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my children to be like Jesus. I don't want my children to be like me. I want them to be like Jesus. And as I look around, I'm thankful for role models and examples. But truth of the matter is, uh, as Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. I only want them to follow men as long as they are following Christ. And parents, that's how we point our children to Christ. It's important to bring them to Sunday school. It's important to have them in church. But you, as a, as a Christian, as a parent, your life ought to 
appoint your children to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't build your parenting skills on you. There's no blog that can replace the written Word of God. Uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no method and there's no, there, there's no uh, set of beliefs that can, that, can point, that they can do for children like pointing them to a risen Savior can do. We've got to be very, very careful that even with decent motives... We don't build that ministry on something other than Jesus. This is what they attempted to do. See, it's our responsibility as the church to preach Christ. We preach the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our focus. That is our point. That's why our ministries are designed to see people pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we put such a heavy emphasis on our ministries being soul-winning ministries involved in not just inviting people to church, but people getting the gospel. The only thing that will change a man is not religion. It's Jesus. The only thing that will change our society, change our nation, is Jesus. And we as a church have got to stay focused on our ministries being built on Jesus our work being built on Jesus. Sunday school teacher, why do you teach that Sunday school class? Well, I love teaching that Sunday school class. I, I'm glad you love doing it, but that's not reason enough for you to teach that Sunday school class. It ought to be, I get to point some boys and girls to Jesus today. I get to point some young couples to Jesus today. I get to point some, even some old people to Jesus today. Whatever age your Sunday school is, this, I, this is what I get to do today. I don't have to go out this week on the Super Saturday, and, and I have to be with it. No, you get to tell some boys and girls about the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about one who loved you so much. He died for you. And, well, you get to see them realize for that first time that Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. I don't have to die in my own sins. There's hope. There's a heaven. And it's all built on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when you come to church, I've been teaching on this on Wednesday nights, and you're not going to ever come up here and see the pulpit moved out of the way and a stool for your pastor to sit on. I'm not going to describe a different outfit that I might come in here because last time I did that, I never got you back for the rest of the service. What's it about? It's all about preaching Jesus. It's all about pointing others to Him. It's all about preaching from behind this pulpit Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Friend, that's why we, we stay away from the world. It's not because we're better than the world. It's so that we can be more like Jesus. We can be more like Him. If I'm more like Him, and people in this world can see that I'm like Him, and they are looking for the answers to life, they'll find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. We find a very interesting sermon here by these devils. We find them declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. We find also in here that the only effective ministry is built on Jesus Christ. Let me just interject here, Christian. That's why if, if, if you were in the same place, doing the same things, going to the same places as a lost man, why would they need Jesus? It's, oh, we've got to build our life on Him. Maybe you're here this morning, you haven't been saved very long. You, you have to build your life on Christ. Build your life on Him. 
Now, maybe you're not used to, to, to what we believe as a Baptist in a Baptist church. Friend, I'm not interested in giving you a Baptist list for you to live up to. Let's just make Jesus our standard. Let's just build our life on Jesus. Let's get into Scripture and, and try and pattern our life after the Lord Jesus and everybody we come in contact with. Let's point them to the Lord Jesus. Busyness does not replace having a ministry built on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in having a bunch of ministries just so we can say we've got 45 ministries for you to get plugged into. I'm interested in ministries of the church being built on pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what's our children's ministry? Pastor, what do you have for a children's ministry? Uh, what do you have to keep them busy and do all these things? I don't want to have a ministry just to keep the kids busy. I want to have a ministry so in the midst of a little bit of fun and a little bit of camaraderie, they hear of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, they've heard that once. Friend, can you really hear too many times that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you, that Jesus saved your soul? Friend, that's what it's all built on. What do you have for the singles? Well, we have some different functions, and we have some different activities, and we have a Sunday school class, and, and we have all of these different things that we do for them. But what do you do? Well, I I just want them to know that they're build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build it on Him because everything else is just really useless. It's powerless. Why is it we've got more religious emphasis today in our country than we've ever had? I can name you, and I'll use the word that everybody else uses, mega church after mega church after mega church. Yet our country is more vile than it has ever been. Now, I'm sure you, you don't even have to watch the news to see everything that's been going on politically in the last few days. It's all over a fear of not being able to murder unborn babies. That's what it's all over. A fear of not being able to have the freedom to murder our unborn children. But yet, we have more religious books, we have more religious teachers, we have more quote-unquote churches, we're busier than we've ever been, but we have gotten away building every ministry on the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that matters is when we preach the Lord Jesus Christ, what is going to change this country, what is going to change this world, is just for lost men to know that it's all about Jesus. We find thirdly this morning, we find in this message that the gospel delivers from bondage. These were undelivered because they just used the name with no relationship. What is the difference in these unnamed vagabond Jews who were exorcists and the Apostle Paul? The difference is pretty simple. Paul had been released from bondage. One day, you imagine, can you, can you picture with me the best you can? Before Paul was converted, he was that Christian killer, Saul. Now, he was persecuting the church, murdering Christians. This was the man that held the coats of those that would stone Stephen. That's evil. 
Can you imagine what a celebrity Saul was in the world of the evil spirits? Here's a man who is helping squash the influence of the church. Here's a man who is persecuting those that have believed on Jesus. But yet the evil spirits knew now here is this new man, Paul, who had been converted, who had been released from bondage. How did that happen? That doesn't happen but for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I would dare say in this world we live in today, the way society is today, all of us know somebody who's in some sort of bondage of sin. Well, we got to get them in another program. Well, we got to get them in this and this and this. Friend, there's only one thing that will release the bondage of these evil spirits. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Why did they know Paul? Because now he was one of them and now he's working against them. Was Paul talking about Paul? No, Paul was just preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, we don't need a political revolution. We don't need a social revolution. We just need a revival of Christians who just preach one message. Jesus saves The gospel's enough. We don't need to water our gospel down, turn it into a social gospel. Truth of the matter is, there's only one gospel, and that's the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, if you're saved this morning, that's the message that delivered you. That's the message that changed your eternity from hell to heaven. And friend, that's the only message that'll change a lost man. It's the only message that'll take somebody like Saul and and make them into a Paul. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's the message that the sermon that we get from these evil spirits is that the gospel delivers from bondage. Church, we, we can't get, and that's one reason why I'm teaching what I'm teaching on Wednesday night, we can't get sucked into this that there's other things we've got to do to free mankind. We put our focus on everything but the gospel. That's why as a church, uh, we, we, we've recently started another church in Jacksonville. We're starting other churches in Jacksonville. That's why the emphasis and missions that we have and putting all the emphasis in there, that's why this morning while we meet here, we have uh, over two dozen young men and young ladies in Bible college training for the ministry. The reason is, is because there is but one message that this world needs today, and it is the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that's going to free from bondage. Otherwise, why would these have been run out? And that brings me to my last point. If we would listen to a sermon by these evil spirits, false religion has no power. We live in a religious world. Well, especially here in the South, everybody is a church member somewhere. And sometimes they're members of three different churches. I mean, everybody is a member somewhere. As I've already mentioned, we've got more, more churches. We've got uh, all, all of these crowds. We've got all of these uh, books and, and, and theology and all of this. But yet our world is getting further and further from the truth. The reason is, is because false religion has no power. Notice verse 16 with me again. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them 
and overcame them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. We have not gotten completely through the book of Acts. We've been skipping around. We've gotten uh, deeper into the book, back to, to chapter 19 now. But in all of our study, in all of the messages week after week, have you ever encountered that happening? Have we ever encountered that happening to the Apostle Paul? Have we ever encountered that happen to Peter or any of the other apostles? Absolutely not. Because their ministry, their quote-unquote religion, if you will, was just simply on Jesus Christ. But now we have these in their false religion invoking the name of Jesus with no relationship being overcome by these evil spirits. It is a sad, it is a tragic thing to me that so many people got up today and they went to a place of religion looking for something that would satisfy the longing in their soul. Instead of getting the message that all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They get a watered down version of Joel Osteen's Your Best Life Now. They get, put your, put your faith in Mary. They put, put your faith in the church. Or, or there's nothing that you need to change about yourself. Just be positive. They are looking for the answer. They're looking for that which would soothe their soul. And so they need to know about their eternity and know that their sins have been taken care of. That there's something inside of them that longs to have that peace. And they go to a place of religion and religion does not give them the answer. Religion does not give them any liberty. And they leave in the same bondage that they came in. See, false religion has no power. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're depending on a church to get you to heaven, you'll not get there. If you're depending on religion running in your family, you'll not get there. See, these evil spirits, they overcame, they overpowered these religious men. There is a great difference in being overpowered by evil spirits and then the power of a Savior who holds the keys of death and hell. Why would we want the cheap imitation? Friend, not only here are you here this morning, if you're not for certain you're saved, you need to depend on Jesus and only Jesus, but us as saved people this morning. And this day we live in is more imperative. It's more imperative than, I believe, any other time in history that our focus be on preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more imperative that we keep the emphasis on world missions and soul winning and starting churches and forgive me this morning, I'm not changing my emphasis for our children. I I am praying. You say, well, I think about putting my family in your church. What, what's your prayer going to be for my children? First of all, if they're not saved, they get saved. And that, that, that God will put a hedge of protection about them, but that God will work in their life and He 
He sees fit to call them to do something for Him. And it's still my dream, it's still my desire for our young people to go off and serve the Lord. If God keeps them here, I'm certainly happy about that. I'm certainly pleased about that. But if God calls them, chooses them to go somewhere else, there'll be nobody happier than this pastor because the emphasis today, no church is going to save this world, no religion is going to save this world. Only the message of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be overcome by the evil spirits. I have not traveled all over this world, but I have traveled to many other countries. You go especially through Central America and South America. We are not religious in America compared to those cultures. They are very religious. They're very lost. Because their hope is in a false religion. I have been in some of these countries and I walk into these big old cathedrals and my spirit is troubled. Because you can feel, if I could say it this morning, the evil spirits of the false religion. Pastor, are you... You said evil spirits. Yes, any spirit, as I've been teaching on Wednesday night, there's the spirit of Christ and there's the spirit of Antichrist. There is no middle. There's the Holy Spirit and there's seducing spirits. We're talking this morning about even evil spirits. These are the demons of hell, if you will, and false religion cannot overcome. False religion cannot save. False religion has no power, only keeps men in bondage. I've, I, I've never tried to get somebody to become a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. It's a conviction. It's not a preference with me. It's a conviction. It's not a convenience to me. But I have tried to point many men to Jesus. Because being a Baptist will not save you. Trusting Christ will save you. And I happen to believe this and I've seen it played out over and over again. Somebody trusts Christ as their Savior and they get into that Bible and they begin growing. They'll become a Baptist. This morning, church, the emphasis has got to be stay on Jesus. Let's not put programs as the priority above our message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be reminded that it's about Him. Do you know somebody who's struggling today? Maybe somebody you work with, a neighbor, a family member. What's going to help them? The Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor, what, what, what's, what's going to happen in our nation? And boy, we got this election coming up, and I would encourage you to vote in the midterm election. As I've told you before, uh, nobody's getting my vote that, is, that, that, that is, thinks it's okay to murder an unborn child. It's just not going to happen. It's becoming very apparent which side is for one and which side is for the other. And friend, I will vote in the midterm election. You should vote in the midterm election. We should do all of that. But friend, more than that, we should fall on our face before God and, and ask God if there's any wicked thing in us. And we ought to be busy every day 
preaching the name of Jesus Christ, telling people that Jesus is the hope and Jesus is the answer and Jesus is the way. I'm afraid that, that the responsibility, I know the responsibility is on us as God's church. Could you imagine what would happen if Christians got as excited about speaking about Jesus as they did political things? Can you imagine today all the Christians who will be talking about the NFL when they ought to be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the answer. He is the way. And if the evil spirits know it, don't you think we should know it? If the evil spirits were quick to identify it, God help us. If they're more bold in their proclamation of the Holy One of Israel than we are. 